Ronananian. So sometimes you got to go the really the long way around the barn, but the point becomes test everything. So you think you're Romeo, playing a part in a picture show. Well, take the long way home. Take the long way home. The car doctor. You know, if tall tire pressures are good before I started to replace those tires, I would have the mechanic take a TPMS tool and read each sensor just to see does each sensor read. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie and in the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, all things automotive. Whatever you've got going on, more information about us at cardoctorshow.com. And don't forget to uh, get over there if you want, and you can subscribe to the uh, podcast via Spreaker, Spreaker.com, and uh, click favorites or subscribe or link or whatever it is you have to do. Um, everybody's player is just a little bit different, but we are out there uh, podcasting besides doing this live radio broadcast and making it available for you wherever you want to be. We also do a live stream. You can find that down at cardoctorshow.com as well. I was thinking this week the romance of the automobile, and I just wanted to touch on this real quick just to, to get the point out. Uh, you know, you, you spend all week working on a computerized, high-technology, plastic cladden wheel, as I just found out last hour. I was reading an article and on air, and how technological the car is. I sat in the Monte Carlo this week. I've got a 72 Monte Carlo gold, uh, autumn gold, they call it, autumn gold with the ivory interior bucket seat, and an original 42,000-mile car I found in a barn in Texas, and I'm, you know, it didn't need much, but I've got to make it a little bit better than it was, and I like to tinker and play, and I've had it about a year and a half, and I haven't really driven it a whole lot yet, and, you know, in the midst of the insanity of the week that was, because it, it felt like a full moon week, and I don't think it was a full moon week, I think it was a post-full moon week, and... I just kind of, I ate lunch in the car one day this week. I sat in the Monte Carlo. I don't know why, but it just, it seemed like the thing to do, right? Like, you just, you know, I I got in the car, I rolled the window down, and a couple of people went by and looked at me like, is he cracking up? No, he's just, you know, there's just, there's just something comfortable about sitting in a very mechanical piece of machinery and thinking back to how simple it was. You didn't have Danny come up to the window and hand you a sandwich, did you? You got to see the dress he was wearing. Oh so, you know, just... You know what I love the most about taking old cars apart? And I was, I've was i been thinking about this for a while because there's a fascination for me. I swear to God, it's the, all old cars, the majority of old cars, I mean, short of the engine, the transmission and stuff, but all the clips and the wires and the springs... It's like they're all things that you could find at a hardware store. <laughs> you know, it, you know it, so it's like if you were driving an old car 40 or 50 years ago, you know, you didn't need to find an auto parts store. You could walk into a hardware store and, and, and just get whatever you needed. 
Um, I just imagine, I still think the buyer for General Motors back in 1954 said, hey, we're putting a bunch of 55 Chevys together, we need to get some bolts. And the guy stopped at a hardware store on the way home and ordered 12 gross, you know, for the line for the next day to keep it going. You can't do that anymore. And one of the things I've noticed about cars, and I, I love to watch people talk about technology and new cars and i look at all as many youtube videos as i can and they talk about all these wonder cars they're talking about the new chrysler thousand horsepower helifont engine which is going to be twenty five thousand dollars uh you know it's a hemi with fuel injection and a blower and you know all the thousand horsepower that you know i don't know where we're going with this in terms of what car it's going to fit and i get it it's going to become the next hot rod engine but 20 years from now, I don't think, you know, if they don't make a part for that monster, you're not going to be driving it. Still going to be driving them 265s from the 55 Chevys because those small blocks were just mass-produced in such numbers. You know, if Charlton Heston ever comes back to make an End of the World movie in a 1,000 years, they're going to be using parts from a small block Chevy to power the car that runs over the zombies. Um because they've just been there forever. We're going to see a uh, a 3D printer in Ron's shop at some point, and Ron will be making car parts. Mark my word. Yeah, I, you know, well, you know what the, on a, on a little bit of a different aside, Tom, Tom Ray, chief executive and cook, bottle washer, and engineer these past many weeks while Tony's on hiatus, um, you understand what the, the, the beauty of 3D printing is, being serious. You know why they're why they've developed it? No. Because body, for, to replicate, replicate body parts? No, well, to replicate body parts, but the, the real answer is, and, I, and I've, I've gotten this from more than a few people in the scientific community, when we go to Mars, we're going to make parts. The spaceship breaks the thingamajig, all right? All you've got to do is download the digital blueprint, and you're going to manufacture the part on the printer. That makes sense. That's, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's the whole purpose of it. And why can't we apply that to cars? Well, so, you know, and and I and I think they will at some point, uh, you know, in a perfect world in the Star Trek universe, I'll say it like this in the universe of Star Trek, where, you know, money isn't important and everybody gets along with everybody and we love each other for who we are and what we are. Um, you know, they talk about plastic cars, that there'll be a minimal amount of metal components. It'll be a high degree of plastic. It'll be manufactured in a printer. I've read some of the really craziest ideas 100 years from now about, you know, your plastic car breaks on the corner and you take off your identification tag and you walk down the street to the printing booth and you insert your credit card for credits and it builds you the car right there in, in 30 minutes and, you know, you drive away and you go home. I, you know, it's, it's a fantastic idea. I mean, you know. What happened to the mechanic, the snap-on truck, the toolboxes, and all that? I mean, the, the, the zillions of things I can see. Society isn't ready for that, and I don't know that we ever will be. But, um, but that's what 3D printing is. 3D printing is to take us to the stars, and, and I can see it being used for manufacture of not just, you know, modern-day car parts, but antique car parts. And, you know, it's, it's just in, in terms of cost and value and everything else. But... Uh, Nobody's ever going to say, boy, my 2010 Toyota Camry, what a great car that was 30 years from now. I just don't see it. But they're still going to be talking about the old mechanical, non-computerized, nuts-and-bolts vehicles that um, 
that truly existed uh, at that time. So just, 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 and you know what? I guess if you've got an old car or you know someone with an old car, and it did me a lot of good. It was like therapy that day. If you want to de-stress, go sit in an old car and just close your eyes and think about what it was like to drive and uh, that, that, that back road and how insane you were to drive. My God, this old car from here to Boston, I still think about that, um, which is a whole other story. I'm Ron Anany and The Car Doctor. I'm always here, 855-560-9900. That is The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. So if you happen to be listening to us on delayed broadcast, if you're on an affiliate that's taking us at a different time other than the uh, Saturday afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. live time slot that we're in here on the network, you can call 855-560-9900. Leave a message. Tom Ray, Chief Cook, Executive and Bottle Washer, will call you back and get you in the live queue. Or if you're listening and next Saturday, if you're listening Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or something, and you're listening and you want to next Saturday between the hours of 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, call 855-560-9900, and you can, um, you can, you can ask us a car question. We'll talk to you live. We're here, we're here in studio at that particular time. Let's, uh, yes, Mr. Ray, real quick. You didn't say you didn't notice I swept the floor today too. Well, I was gonna give you an extra dollar in your envelope. Um, Excellent, because I noticed that because I know there's a Wendy's on the way home. Yes, and you were looking kind of hungry. Oh well, yes, and they have Frosties and they're lovely things. Uh, that's a whole other story. Except Remember, they don't come up to the window like Danny does. And, and you'd go to a you'd go to a car hop service, and they'd put the little tray on the door, and you know you didn't care. They scratched the paint. You went. Who cares? You know, it's just a 72 Chevy. It's a piece of junk. Hey, what difference does it make? Now, oh, my God, it's like the second coming. Don't touch the car. Don't breathe on the car. Don't even think about the car. And if you get in the car, try not to open the door. I mean, we're just very weird, the whole the whole old car thing. But um, good therapy. It really is. 855-560-9900. When we come back, we're going to kick the garage doors open and start the uh, repair marathon. We're also going to talk about we're giving away a Wix diecast car this hour for sure, courtesy of the folks at Wix Filters, wixfilters.com. It's a replica of the 39 Ford. It's a customized hot rod, and uh, we give these away from time to time. They're kind of neat to add to your collectibles. So when you call in, talk to Tom Ray. He is the sole judge and uh, decision maker today. I'm just the uh, I'm just the beautiful face that uh, kind of keeps things going and uh, you know keeps it rolling along. So we'll be doing that. Uh, we'll be doing that this hour as well, as well as uh, answering your questions, whatever it is else is you've got going on. And uh, you know if you've got a question, I should point out too. If you need me during the week, um, drop me a line, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. I'm trying to get all the paperwork out of the way, right here, folks. I'm sorry for the delay, but Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. But the eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero phone number is uh, the one that you want to be using. We'll be back. Right after this, don't go away. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855 560 9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. See, now that's just my point. Nobody ever made a song that said she'll have fun, fun, fun till somebody takes the Toyota Camry away. Nobody cares. All right. And if they took the Honda away, they'd be thrilled. And usually they had to tow it away. So, I mean, what's the point? I mean, I it's anyway, let's um, let's go and talk to Frank in New Mexico. He's waiting there very patiently. Eighty six olds, Cutlass Supreme and some questions. Frank, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Oh, great. I love the show. I never miss it. Anyway, about this olds, uh, 86 olds. Uh, my, uh, what do you call it, thermostatic vacuum switch, you know, that little thing that goes between the, uh, 
carb holes in the uh, right. Sit, hockey puck. Right, sitting on top yeah, of the uh, sitting on top of the thermostat housing. I had to re- Pardon me. It's, it's, is this the one? Does this sit on top of the thermostat housing or on the manifold? It sits on the manifold. It okay. screws in the manifold. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, it disintegrated. I had a trouble getting the correct replacement, but I finally got that done. And I was just curious, as a matter of curiosity, would it work equally well if those two hoses were switched on the ports that they're onto? No, because those what that does is that is opening and closing a vacuum port based on coolant temperature it's just it's just what it, it does just what the name implies thermostatic vacuum switch it it vacuum you should have a vacuum feed and i believe the vacuum feed came into the top port i believe the vacuum feed was in the top and then the switched vacuum came out the bottom if you look at the valve itself if it's an original gm valve i believe there is a v and an s on on or by each nipple and it meant vacuum and switched uh as far as what each port did and you know that that just determined then whatever it went to control whether it was the fuel enrichment valve or a choke pull off or the thermostatic air cleaner or you know whatever it was but it it, it wouldn't it would be two different things um one yeah. way it would work okay, well, one way just, it wouldn't i reinstalled it according to the uh GM manual here, but it was, I was just curious as to whether it would work equally well either way. I'm amazed. So, I'm amazed that you actually found one, an original well, GM. I, uh, that's another. Uh, no one here had them. O'Reilly, AutoZone, Napa. They had something that looked the same, but the ports were three sixteenths rather than the correct three eighths. Right. Right. So I determined I found the manufacturer of these actually. And they still had some in stock. Tom Co. Incorporated, their fuel and emissions specialist worldwide. I called them up. It was like talking to my corner hardware store. The lady was so nice, <laughs> and she was willing to. They were willing to sell me one or fifty, whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. I yeah. got the correct part, and uh, I put that in, and uh, I also got the uh, the correct AC Delco, the uh, what I call it, the hockey puck, you know, that, that ported thing that controls the. That connects to the fuel canister. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They go bad uh, all the time. You, th- those you yeah, should. Well, those you should buy a few of. Today, but I was yeah. curious about the positions of the hoses. Yeah. Those you should buy a few of. Tomco, are they still located? Where are they in California now? They're in Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. Okay. They're in Missouri. They were we really. Gotta... They were really big. Tomco. Do, do you remember what they were really big for, Frank? I want to see if test your test test your memory. Carburation. Carburetors. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got all those kits, man. Yep. for my for all my cars. Yeah. I mean, I think back to all the carburetor kits, right? You'd go down and, you know, Saturday afternoon you'd stop by the auto parts store, you'd pick up a carburetor kit, you'd rebuild your carburetor, and you know, go out cruising with the guys Saturday night, right? That was the big deal. You think about how many, you know, how the industry has changed, but just carburetor kits alone. Think about all the. Kits, the cardboard gasket cutouts, check balls, springs, mechanical levers, pivot pins, all the things that were manufactured, and we don't need it anymore. And all the kits that were tossed, and how many carburetor kit companies that aren't around anymore because, you know, this is, I mean, my God, carburetors were around on cars since, you know, the 20s. And then all of a sudden, 70 years later, poof, gone in a blink. 
And um, it's just it's interesting. I think one of the things I like most about automobiles is the history that they represent, and they show you the evolution and the change in the country and the society. And um, you know, they they are the uh, microcosm of that moment of what's going on in the world. So, um, well, good. Yeah, well, I like. You can still look up Tomco and call them up, and they're swell, man. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the gas mileage has gone to crap after that switch went. You know? Oh yeah, it will. It will. Well, that's like you yeah. know what you know what I'm looking for. Maybe I should do it here. I never thought to use my radio show for this because it seems self-serving, but I'm trying to find for my '72 Monte Carlo. I'd like to find um, an original. I have one of the original A6 GMAC compressors. You know, Frigidaire Harrison, uh, the old long yeah. black. Uh, GMAC compressors. Somebody out there still has to have those. I'm looking for one. I just, you know, I don't need it. I thought I'd like to have it as a spare. Can't hurt. Um, it, you know, why you can still get them. I'd like to get one of those. And I've got a carb number. I'm trying to find. I found a 354 barrel. I wanted to make it an original QJet four barrel motor. And um, I found one, but the guy wanted stupid money for it. Uh, you know, he wanted eight hundred dollars for something sitting on a shelf. He didn't even know what it was until I told him. And I said, you know, come on, dude, it's worth two, three hundred bucks. Let's, 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 let's get real here. But um, you, you know, it's a lot of these parts are just going to sit and go to waste. So uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, Tomko, I'll have to uh, I'll have to add that one to the book. How many miles you got on this car, Frank? Uh, one hundred and three thousand nine hundred. Wow. 33-year-old car that doesn't have a lot of miles on it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, I've got a lot of old cars, so I switch around, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What else do you you have in the fleet real quick? A 72 Lincoln Continental, an 87 Buick Grand National, 66 Chevelle 396, a 1970 Rover 3500S. Now, why such an eclectic collection? I don't know, because once I get one, get one, I just hang on to it. You know? Yeah, and you like it. And I guess in New Mexico, you don't have snow and ice, so uh, there's no salt and corrosion out there. Uh, we don't have that problem. So yeah. It's pretty day here. Yeah. So. I love right, the so, show, man. It's like going to class every Saturday. Well, listen, I'm, I'm happy to be here for you. I really am. And um, I'm glad to know that we're doing you some good. So you have a good rest of the afternoon, Frank, and uh, um, you take good care. All right, sir? Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, you know, see, listen listen to what he's collecting, right? This is his passion. Nobody gets passionate about a Camry, a Honda, a new Ford Explorer. Uh, you know, it's the romance of the automobile. I should write the book. Um, the Road Trip to Chuchistan and How to Get There by Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor. 855-560-9900. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Welcome back, 
back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor at 855-560-9900. Answering calls and questions. More info at cardoctorshow.com. Let's get over to Stephen in San Diego, 01 Ford Explorer. Stephen, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. I'm chasing down a rough idle. I've been uh, replacing parts and troubleshooting, but I still haven't fixed it. Okay. Any sort of fault codes and what sort of diagnosis have you done to this point? I I have a cheap scan tool. I I used it one time when the check engine light came on, and that was uh, telling me to replace the rearmost O2 sensor, which I did, and it still didn't make a difference. Okay. Um, well, let me let me and let me just correct you on one thing, Stephen. It, it it gave you a fault code for the rearmost O2 sensor, right? It didn't say replace. It, it said there was a fault in yeah. the circuit and performance. Just so we got our language correct. So, okay. does your scan tool provide data stream at all? Yeah, um, I, I have seen that. I can't say I know how it works, but uh, I've played around with it, and I've seen that. Okay. What do you do for a living, Stephen? Uh, I work for a uh, hotel company. Okay. What do you What do you do there? Uh, is it a, Is it a technical? IT. Uh, okay. Um, so it's technical, right? So yeah. y- you're a numbers guy. You know how to look at numbers, computer performance, memory, that kind of thing. You can look at numbers and relate sure. to it, right? All right. Uh-huh. Go in your scan tool. And look at data stream. First of all, you're fortunate because your cheap scan tool, and this is what I love about cheap scan tools, and I don't think they're cheap. I think they work really well. Um, The cheaper scan tools will display information only in OBD2 or basic vehicle language. All right? And and the nice thing about that is, is if you understand fuel trim, in 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 the universal concept of what it is you'll understand it in every vehicle because that scan tool is going to show it to you the same way in every car regardless of what it is uh you know in ford calls fuel trim something chrysler calls it another thing gm displays it as another vehicle specific in the universal language of obd2 it's all the same long-term fuel trim short-term fuel trim what's happening now what happens 20 minutes over a long period of time. So that being said, if there are, is the check engine light still on or did the light go out after you changed the sensor? It went out. Okay. Have you driven the car any length of time or any distance since the light went out and you cleared the code? Yeah, I'm using it every day. And okay. It, it runs just fine, uh, but when you're stopped, maybe, uh, you know, at lights, you can feel it's not quite right, not as smooth as I'd like. Okay. So, and no more light, correct? The light has not come back correct. on. All right. Yeah. So, is it a is it a low level vibration type of a sensation? It, it, it's more of a, a, a roughness, like okay. it's uh, the engine's not uh, nicely balanced. All right. If you if you look at the engine sitting there running in gear, does it change from in gear to uh, sitting in park? Is there a yes, it does. That was the first thing I noticed. As soon as I move it to park, that's when it kind of feels a little bit worse. All right. No, it it feels worse in gear than it does in park. Or is it? Is it no, uh, the, no, the other way around. It feels worse in park. Okay. So when you're in gear, that engine idles smooth. Yes. All right. Well, I wouldn't say smooth. Better. Better. Different. All right. Let's let's start yeah. to let's start to look at the numbers. And one of my favorites to look at is fuel trim, all right? Okay. And the easiest way to explain fuel trim to you is um, zero is a balanced air fuel mixture, 
all right? If, if you were building a fire in a fireplace, zero is that perfect piece of oak that gives you just the right amount of flame, no pop, no crackle, no smoke, no smolder. It's just a nice balanced fuel mixture. It's, it's the correct amount of fuel or correct amount of gas to the correct amount of oxygen under the ideal conditions. It's perfect. Very rarely will you see a car run zero fuel trim, all right? It would, it would be unusual. You might see it cross the threshold, but it's not going to stay there as a common occurrence, all right? Short-term fuel trim on a Ford, on an Explorer, uh, you'll see upwards of, of, of plus 5, 6, 7, 8%, maybe encroaching 10%. You'll see long-term fuel trim 2, 3%. All right, somewhere in the range of minus three to plus three. What fuel trim is, fuel trim is a measurement of, you know, there's, there's a fixed program in the computer of you need to be this, and then they key off of that and say, you know, if, it was, if, if, if fuel trim that the vehicle is using matches what's in its program, you would see zero as your number because it, it matches, right? It's, it's, it's no, no need to change it off of base programming. When you look at... When you look at a fuel trim and you see plus three or plus five or plus six, it's adding 6% or 5% or whatever unit you want to think of it as more than programming recalls for to maintain a balanced fuel mixture as per its program modification. Make sense? Yes. So go look at fuel trim. If, 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 if the fault code for a fuel trim error sets at... 25%, all right, meaning that that fuel trim, a combination of short and long-term fuel trim, has to hit 25% before it sets a fault code, and you look at the two numbers and fuel trim is 24%, is that is that a high number? Yeah. Right, you're just on the threshold there, the engine light's about to come on, right? Bingo, you get it. You got it, man. You're right there. So people won't look at data stream because eh, it doesn't have any fault codes. Yeah? You know, and I say this okay. a thousand times, and people are bored hearing me say it. You ever get sick? Yeah. I, got, I started to feel terrible on Monday, but it was Wednesday before the sore throat showed up. So how long before it takes before you get sick? So let's go look at fuel trim. If you look at fuel trim, and fuel trim looks good, and there's no pending faults, no codes about to set by way of a misfire and manifold vacuum looks good. And then the, the last thing is a quick test I would do. There's two things, actually. I'd look at O2 sensor switch rate, which hopefully your scan tool does graphing, which maybe it doesn't because it's a cheapie. Um, that's one downside. Um, and then I want to also, you should have a PID. Each little piece of information is called a PID um, on their mass airflow calculated load. Do you recall seeing that? No, but I didn't look for very long. Okay. I'll check the instructions. Go, go look for calculated load, all right? The, the test for calculated load, it's, it's, it's basically you're looking at the computer's interpretation of how much air volume it's swallowing through the mass airflow sensor, calculated out into air flow through the engine as to what it can pump out. An engine's a big air pump, all right? So, you know, foot to the floor, under the right ideal condition, calculated load on a mass airflow car of, of, of the current generation that's out there, you'll see 90 to 95%. Once in a blue moon, you see 100%. You got a car that you put your foot through the headlight, and the best you can get out of it is 
something's up. It's not breathing right. And that breathing right. fault may be related to or possible cause of why you've got this rough idle condition. All right? Okay. If you look at this car and all the numbers look like they're perfect, start thinking about motor mounts, just just for giggles. Um, you know, right. are, are the mounts dry? Or is, the, is the rubber rock hard? Uh, you I wouldn't know, be surprised out here. It's it's done a lot of miles. It's an old car and right. a lot of the rubber's in a bad right. way. You know, yeah, I can give that a quick check easy. And and one of the things I failed to mention on a lot of cars, and I think it's possible on your year Explorer, I'm trying to remember what the mount looks like. Believe it or not, on older cars, you'll start to see rocks collect in and around the rubber. They get wedged in. Hondas do it. Um, some of the Toyotas do it, where they'll get they'll get uh, rocks wedged up into the uh, rubber mount, and it it's it's you know the mounts and an, an insulator. It keeps the you know, it's supposed to keep the vibration of the engine away from the, the rigidity of the frame. So you start looking at things in the wrong place in the mounts, and all of a sudden you knock rocks out of the mount. The engine seems to idle smoother. <laughs> it's been known to happen. Um, right, so just things to look for. Hey, uh, Stephen, don't go away. Tom gives me the high sign. We're going to send the 39 Ford from the folks at Wix Filters out to you, WixFilters.com. It's a replica of the most recognizable hot rod in America today, the 39 Ford diecast car, 118th scale, courtesy of the folks at Wix, WixFilters.com. Stay on the line. Tom will get your information. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Write it on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Oh, a wise guy, eh? By the way, Tom, I should point out that uh, we haven't mentioned his name all week this week. So Walt from Hawaii sent me an email. He's wearing his Ron and <laughs> and the Car Doctor t-shirt. He just wanted to let us know. He said, I'm still here rooting for you guys. I love listening to the show. Walt's wearing his Car Doctor t-shirt, of course. No invitation to come out. He still hasn't offered no, to fly us out there. I think the guy who sent us a pineapple. Well, he did send us a pineapple. That was last year. Yeah, well, that's true. But yeah, still. we did send us a pineapple. Um, coconuts? Coconuts? There's a joke uh, in there somewhere, but we're going to stay away from it. skirt? I mean, that'd yeah. be something to see. Yeah. Tony in a Hulu skirt? Uh, anyway, listen, the one good news for Tony, did I tell you when I texted Tony, excuse us a minute, folks, I texted Tony to see, you know, was he coming today or was he still, you know, he's still recovering? Um uh, I said, look at it this way, Tone. I said, be optimistic. He said, yeah. I said, the Giants can't lose this week. So, um, And the, somehow they'll find a way. Yeah, but it's their bye week. I mean, how could they lose this week? Like I said, the way they've been playing, they'll find a way. Yeah, well, it could be. Um, let's not lose anymore. Let's go over and talk to Artie in Maine, 17 Ford Fiesta, and uh, some issues. Artie, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Well, if you help me, I'll send you a lobster. Well, <laughs> All right, let's see what's going on. What can I do for you? Well, car was purchased uh, about seven months ago. It's a 2017. <clears throat> we bought the car. It was used. It had uh, a little around 20000 Now it's got like 24000 on it. Um, right away, we noticed this. After about a week, I, I noticed uh, the sunshine. I looked at the car. The front end was a little different color. So we did a car fax, and we found out it was made in Mexico. And it was in the flood zone in Tennessee, but it said specifically there was no specific damage done. Okay. I asked the car dealer about it. He, they said, we don't know what you're talking about. Well, this is when the problem starts. I noticed that when I applied the brake, 
there was a slight grinding, like, you know, uh, pads r- r- rubbing against the rotors. Yeah. And uh, I took it to them. Uh, they drove it. Nothing wrong with it, they said. They took it apart. Well, do they hear so the... Wait, 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 wait. Do they hear the noise? No, they didn't hear the noise. Do you hear the noise when they don't hear the noise, or are we in agreement that the noise is, comes and goes? Well, it, it came and went. But what okay. happened was, after I complained it enough, they mm. went in and, after taking it apart, replaced the rotors and the pads. Okay. In front of the car. Uh, two days later, I'm driving. It's early in the morning. Stop the car. Get ready to pull out of the driveway. Hear it again. Now, the back wheels, I believe, are drum brakes. It's just the same kind of noise. Like, you put, you put your pedal on. And just as you start to slow down, you hear that little grinding. They replace back ones. It's still doing it, and nobody knows what's going on. Is this is this a Ford dealer doing this? Yes, it's still on the warranty. But I mean, I'm not complaining. They've done everything they can do. But apparently, they found what's wrong with it. Engine oh. light is coming on constantly as a result of it. Well, uh, the check engine light is coming on. Yes. And what fault code does it have? I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I really don't understand cars. But they they, they fix it. The engine light goes away. Now today it's back on again. Well, so but I just that maybe it was sitting in water for a long time. I don't know. Well, and it very well could be. But you know, two separate issues. Um, at this point in the game, there's no connection between grinding brakes or noisy brakes and check engine lights per se. And I would at least well, like at least I'd at least like to know why the you know what fault codes does the computer think it's seeing? It, I can tell you. I can tell you. They told me it related to low tire pressure. The check engine light. Yeah. Nah. TPMS light. We got we got our lights confused here. Maybe. I do. I don't know much cut. I guess the one that looks like the bottom of a tire. Okay, so that's TPMS light. Tire pressure monitoring. So, you know, which tire is low on air? Does it have a rim leak, a nail in it? Is it complicated? Is it simple? Does it have a bad sensor? All right. I don't know. They replaced uh, uh, two tires, and, and like, at some point they replaced the sensor, but it's back again, so I don't know. Okay. I'm totally. Hey, let, me, let, me just, let me just, because the clock's going to take me, Art. Um, the tire pressure issue could be something simple. It could be a nail in the tire, it could be the rim seeping. It could be a bad stem. It could be a bad tire pressure sensor in the wheel. All right. Okay. That you know that's kind of clear cut diagnostic stuff. It, the other issue is noisy brakes on cold startup, cold application, and they've done four wheel brakes, pads, rotors, shoes, and drums. They did. They did rear shoes. They did, and they had it overnight too. They did the same test I did. And it it seemed to be okay the one morning, or it did it for them again. Get it from him again. It's still doing it. All right. So have they considered possibly using, and watch what I say, and don't let your head spin off its shoulders, but have they considered possibly doing um, using a brake shoe that's a different manufacturer that might be a softer compound than the OE Ford stuff because maybe Ford's got an issue? At the very least, to try that and then see if that makes a difference. And if it doesn't, there's got to be a bulletin or a note somewhere to an engineer because then they've got a compound issue, and that's what's causing the noise. Try that and call me back. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. Real quick, let's get over and talk to Mike in Montgomery, New York. This is Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. What do you got, Mike? I got 60 seconds. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Uh, 
Ford uh, 2006 F-150 run, uh, the timing chain tensioner, the plastic guide broke on it. Right. And when we went to do the timing chain, we uh, made the marks uh, lined up perfectly and everything. But uh, the timing chain, the passenger side, it went to take it off, and the whole valve train, like, jumped clockwise. Counterclockwise, I think. Yeah, because there's there's and a I, lock tool that you're supposed to put on the cam. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I know that. Yeah, that's where I went wrong. Yeah, my my fault. But the valve, I think the valve dropped. So. uh is that a common thing that would happen all the time? That's my question. Well, I don't know about the valve dropping, but the valve hitting the piston is very possible. So it becomes a case of special tools need. And what you'd have to do is a cylinder leak down test in the suspect cylinders um, just to see is there any damage. Do you still have compression? Then kind of go from there. I'm running in the car doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.